0: Welcome to episode 137 of the Women of the Military podcast. This episode was created in partnership with the Stephen A. Cohen Military Family Clinic at the University of Pennsylvania. And this week I'm interviewing the director of the Stephen A. Cohen Military Family Clinic at the University of Pennsylvania, Dr. Leah Blaine. Dr. Blaine earned her MA and PhD in clinical psychology from the University of Missouri St. Louis. There, she conducted research in the effectiveness of cognitive process therapy for post traumatic stress disorder. She completed an internship and postdoctoral fellowship at the VA Maryland Healthcare System. She previously served as the director of behavioral health at the Chase Brexton. Healthcare Columbia Center. Her clinical work focuses around trauma recovery, working with survivors of assault, abuse, and combat on issues including depression, guilt, shame, anger, disassociation, and PTSD. The Cohen Veteran Network seeks to provide mental health services for post-9-11 veterans, active duty members, and their families. The Cohen Veteran Network is a nationwide network and you can learn more about their services and getting services by going to their website which is CohenVeteransNetwork.org clinics. So let's get started with this week's interview with Dr. Leah Blaine. You're listening to season three of the Women of the Military podcast. Here you will find the real stories of female service members. I'm Amanda Huffman. I am an Air Force veteran, military spouse, and mom. I created Women of the Military podcast in 2019 as a place to share the stories of female service members past and present with the goal of finding the heart of the story while uncovering the triumphs and challenges women face while serving in the military. If you want to be encouraged by the stories of military women and be inspired to change the world, keep tuned for this latest episode of Women of the Military. Just a reminder, this is the last week to take the 2021 Military Family Lifestyle Survey with Blue Star Family, which closes on June 6th. It's not too late to share your military family's experience and be a voice for change. In addition to telling your story to bring about a positive change for your family and other military-connected individuals, you'll have a chance to win one of five $100 gift cards. So head over to bluestarfam.org slash survey 2021 and take the survey today. Don't run out of time. Survey closes on June 6th. And now let's get started with this week's interview with Dr. Leah Blaine. Welcome to the show, Leah. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So we're going to start a little differently than we normally do because this podcast episode is not about your military story, but about the Cohen Veteran Network and the work that you're doing there. So let's start with how did you end up at Cohen Veteran Network? So I'm a licensed clinical psychologist. And so I
1: really came to this work kind of, there's a a personal part and a professional part. So the personal part, I grew up in the middle of New Jersey, right near the um, joint bases, Squire Lake First, as it's called now. And my my pop-up served in Korea. And so I always had kind of a, a loose military affiliation. It was kind of like in, you know, always there in my sphere. And I went to graduate school. I knew I wanted to do trauma recovery. I was really passionate about, I had seen a lot of people in my life coming up that had been through really tough things and watched the impact that it had on them. I mean, I was just really inspired to see if there was anything that we could do to help promote healing and recovery. And so went to graduate school out in Missouri and St. Louis and, and just had some fabulous training, had the opportunity to move back to Baltimore and work at the VA there and just absolutely fell in love with the population. I did my internship and in my postdoc year there and just absolutely loved it. And then I had the opportunity to open a clinic actually down there um, in Columbia, Maryland. At a, it was a local federally qualified health center, but it was right outside Fort Meade. And so I got to continue working with veterans and family members outside the VA. And it turns out I fell in double love with that. And then you know this, the Cohen Clinic was opening at Penn and uh, you know we were from this area, wanted to go back to this area. And it was just like all of the stars aligned. And so we've been open about five years served, uh, I think, almost 1,700 veterans and military family members in that time. And it's just the best. So I can talk more about what we do, but it really felt like this was just really, truly stars aligning in terms of things I'm passionate about, both in my personal life and my professional life. And I get to serve those who served every day. So it's pretty amazing.
0: So you haven't served in the military, but you've served the military community through the VA and then the other clinic, and now you're at Cohen. So that's really interesting that you found the VA and then you just like fell in love with what the work that was being done. So that's just a really cool story. And I think it's been really cool to see how you can like bring non-veterans into the veteran space and then they connect and you're able to offer a different perspective and we're able to show you more. So you're able to connect with more people. Yes. So in terms of like, weaving
1: those aspects together. our Yeah, our clinic is actually really passionate about, and, and part of kind of what we view as our mission is to raise awareness around, you know, issues that our veterans and military family members and, and service members face. And so we're uh, kind of a, I would say, you know, a, a mission for us within our mission is actually increasing that awareness and bringing um, civilians together to bridge that divide. So, A good number of our team members either have served or or have close family members who have served, you know, um, and would you know, really are more kind of closely knit military family members. And a lot of our folks are civilians who have just really, again, kind of fallen in love with working with this community, whether it was through the VA um, or through other avenues. And so it's, it's a really, I I think it's a wonderful thing to see. And we see a lot of our supporters of our clinic, people who are passionate about what we do and and either, you know, support our work philanthropically or or with other um, awareness building. A lot of, a lot of those folks are civilians too. So it does feel like it's, you know, there's some, some building momentum there.
0: Yeah. So now that we know a little bit about the team and like how you came to Cohen, let's talk about like what services you guys provide and what your mission is. Yeah. So this, the Cohen Veterans Network um,
1: at this point has almost 20 clinics open across the country. We were the fifth to open. And the mission across the network is the same, even though, um, you know, services at any given clinic are going to look a little different because it's tailored to our local environment. But the Cohen Veterans Network mission is to ensure access for our veterans and military family members. CBN does have a focus on post 9-11 veterans, really because the goal is to prevent long-term challenges that we know prior er- eras of service have seen. And so we really, we try to make it as easy as possible to engage. So when we're in person, that means transportation assistance, um, that means, you know, Uh, parking passes. We've always offered telehealth. All of our clinics have offered telehealth pretty much from the minute they opened. So then when we had the pandemic hit for us, it was just a pivot. Um, It really wasn't, you know, it wasn't even new. And then in terms of kind of that, what we do with, you know, other than just making it really easy to get here, our goal is to provide the highest quality of care that we possibly can. So that means that everyone who works with us, everyone on our team has training in military cultural competence and really whether they've served, whether they're military connected, everybody, you know, there's a real emphasis because if you served in the army, you still need to scale up on Navy culture, Air Force culture, you know, what have you. So we really want to make sure that everyone who walks in the door is welcomed, is understood. We don't have to translate what something means. And then, you know, the other piece that we place a big emphasis on is what we call evidence-based care. So we really prioritize using treatments that have been tested that have been proven to work for whatever challenge that veteran or service member or military family member is coming in with. Because our goal is to get people back to thriving as quickly as possible. And we know that our evidence-based treatments are what get us there. So that means um, we use psychotherapy, which is like talk therapy. So kind of weekly meeting one-to-one you're talking through things, but then you also have home practice. You're really working on on things outside of session. We do have medication management. um, That's an option. Some of our folks are really excited about that. Other people don't want that or may have that out, outside. So that's just an option that's never required. And then we also offer case management for all those other things that can come up to make it really hard to get to session, right? Like, you know, if, if you want to come to treatment for yourself, but you're trying to get your kiddo, you know, involved in care or you, you know, don't have an, enough money to pay to rent. Um, those kinds of things are huge stressors that get in the way. So case management can help us to really find, you know, where resources exist, really find and connect folks to those resources so that they can keep moving towards their goals when they're in their therapy time.
0: Yeah, and I didn't know about Cohen until I got contacted. And it's funny because I have a friend who's in the program right now, and she has been telling me about how good it has been for her and like how easy the process is. And then I'm in the process. I decided to call and set up a therapy session, and it was easy. I just called them, and then they called me back, asked me some questions, and now it's just a waiting game because I'm in the D.C. area, and, you know, there's just so many veterans. Yeah, there are. But I have tried to get counseling on my own and I ran into the problem of a trying to find a counselor who took my insurance and then b trying to find someone who understood like the military culture so it makes me really excited that I can go to a place and not have to worry about those things. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's such
1: an important issue because when, when I think people talk about access to care as if it's one thing and it's not right, because, you know, income and insurance, you know, create really different pathways for people, right? Like if you're eligible for the VA, that can be great for some folks, but some folks aren't eligible or if they are, you know, the copay would be, you know, untenable or ditto with insurance. And then even if you find somebody, especially in the community, having, you know, somebody who really understands military culture and with some of the things that people are coming in with, there was a really good study that was, it was run out of New York, but it it seems like it's pretty replicable that, you know, it was, it was only like something like 3% of civilian providers felt really ready and able to serve our veteran and military community. Um, so we know that there's just there's just a, a, a divide that we need to keep working to bridge. And in the meantime, you know, we're really thrilled to be able to offer that access. And with telehealth, it's also, you know, we can really offer it not just to, you know, we're in Philly. Right. So it's not just our local community. We serve a tri-state area. So like we'll we serve folks in PA, Jersey and Delaware. You mentioned the D.C. clinic. They serve D.C., Maryland, Virginia and West Virginia. Right. So it's really I mean, I think that's one of the ways that CBN is just so committed to breaking down those barriers, as we said, making it easy to get in.
0: Yeah. And the telehealth is great as a mom, especially with COVID and having to worry about kids and child care. And it's like I can just turn on my computer. This is great. Yeah. Right. And even if folks
1: like we, even prior to COVID, like we were running really like a hybrid model, we just got folks ready for telehealth. If they preferred to come in, obviously that's great. But then, you know, if the car's out or you got, you know, home, if you, you know, left work late, so you could get home, but not to the clinic or whatever it means, you just don't have to miss that session. And we know that consistency of care is actually a really good predictor of treatment outcomes. So we want to, you know, that, that once a week is not arbitrary really. If you think about, you know, keeping that momentum going. The more we can keep folks consistently engaged, the faster they get to their goals.
0: Yeah. And that reminds me of when I was looking in California and my babies were really little and the lady who I connected with was like, if you miss the therapy session, it costs this much. And I was like, but I have kids and if they get sick, I don't have childcare. And I was like, it was already like a struggle to afford it. And then to think that I would have to miss sessions and pay for them. My husband and I were like, ah, and then it, it was a barrier to getting the help that I, that I need. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah.
1: And I mean, you, I'm, and I'm, I'm really glad that, I mean, I'm really glad that you also found a Cohen clinic because I think it's the best, but I, I mean, it really speaks to why it's designed the way that it is, is, you know, just having insurance is not, it's not the whole story. It doesn't make it easy. And I think that's really such a, such an amazing thing that um, the Cohen Veterans Network has been able to really commit to is that, you know, regardless, regardless of insurance or ability to pay, people will be able to be seen. Um, and I think again, it just, it just breaks down that potential wall.
0: Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the basics of mental health, because we want to talk a little little bit, not just about access to care, but people might be wondering, and even I was wondering like, am I qualified? Because like what mental health areas do you cover? And let's start with that and see where it goes.
1: Yeah. So we talk about mental health as really existing on a continuum, right? So you can be in, I think a lot of folks think about a mental health crisis, right? Like we almost anchor to like the worst point. And I think a lot of us know really what that means, right? That means like when somebody says that they're at their breaking point, or certainly if they're thinking about harming themselves or not wanting to be here, right? Like that's the, that's that worst case scenario that we hope to avoid or get folks out of very quickly. But there really is a continuum from crisis really through to like thriving, right? Like that's very Really what we we want to help people get to whatever that best point is that they can get to right now so if that's stabilizing in crisis and building a plan towards really feeling well again that's awesome if somebody's just not quite feeling like themselves right like it doesn't have to be that crisis but we always, we talk about like prevention is the best right we would love to see folks when they're just starting to feel you hear all interesting stuff coming like people be like i'm feeling funky or like i'm not feeling like myself you know and i'm like that's that's great, that's a great time to come into. And so it's really about where can we help to kind of shore things up or help to really progress things. And so we just meet everybody where they're at that could be, you know, acutely really feeling suicidal, really struggling with feeling very down, very anxious. You know, certainly a lot of the folks that we're working with um, have trauma histories, whether that was prior to the military, during the military or after or any combination thereof. And we know, you know, that's one of the things that our clinics and our network really focuses on is on trauma recovery. But we also work on things like, um, you know, adjustment, right? The transition out of the military or into the workforce or into, you know, a civilian classroom. We work with families. So we work, we do couples therapy. We um, see whole families. We'll see kiddos because we know that, you know, it's not, our, our military families serve alongside and, and that's not just a platitude, it's real. And so we know that our, our veterans and our service members, if they're worried about their loved one, that's impacting their wellness, right? If, they're lo- if their loved one's doing better, our veterans and service members are doing better and vice versa. So we really challenge ourselves to be ready to serve that whole family, whatever that looks like. So I guess I would, you know, in a short version of like, I think we get that question, like who should call or when should I call? Like if you're in a crisis, if things haven't been well for a while, if things are just starting to feel funky, like there is not a wrong time to call. And ditto if you're worried about a loved one, um, you know, care is, oh, it has to be voluntary to work. Really? If, if somebody's not going to, if somebody's not ready to make change, they're not going to, but you can also see, you know, support for yourself, you, you know, as you're supporting your loved one, if you're worried about them. So I think that's another great thing about the clinic is that we can really, you know, support the whole family system.
0: Yeah. I really love that you said like I was because when I got home from my deployment, I went to see a counselor and I was like, I don't know, there's just something wrong. And she was like, well, you just got home from a deployment. And I was like, no, I don't think that's it. And she was like, no, you're fine. And it took me over five years before I finally went back to get help. And so to hear you guys say that, like, if I would have said that to you guys, you would have been like, Okay, let's figure out what that something is instead of being like, well, you're fine, you know. And so I think. That's just really so important to to say if there's something that you just feel is wrong and you can't because I couldn't name what was wrong. I don't even know if I can name it yet because I I went through uh, celebrate recovery and did the twelve steps and it helped me a lot and now I do meditation but I still probably can't pinpoint what was causing me to feel that way and she just told me you're you're fine. You just got home from deployment and. And I wasn't. (laughs) No. And even if you, even if you would have been
1: fine, right? Like even just the the idea that having support at those times of stress, we know that the number one predictor of having a positive outcome after a trauma or a stressor is social support, right? So just having that person to walk alongside as you're kind of untangling, what is this new normal? How do I get back into this groove? You know I mean? I folks, you know, for folks who've deployed, that's coming back into a family system often and reestablishing those roles you know for folks transitioning out of the military I mean you know way better than me like this that's a massive change on every level and so just having a space to you know I call it like, it can just be an accountability check, right? You have a an hour once a week where you come in and check in and go like, okay, am I taking care of myself? And like, what's getting in the way if I'm not? And like, what's on my mind, you know, therapy can be that it can just be that structured like, okay, I want to be feeling better, feeling like myself again, you know, thriving more in this way, whether it's at home or work or whatever. And you set that as a goal and then you figure out how to get to it. And as you said, that helps to kind of along the way tease out like, what is getting in the way of that? Why am I not doing right? So So I'm really sorry because I I do think sometimes our mental health services as a field run that issue of unless you have like a diagnosable condition right then, you know, you kind of get a door shut you know, like, Oh, you don't need criteria for anything. And that's, that's not when we want to be intervening. We want to, we want to catch you when you say, Hey, I don't feel right. So I'm, I'm glad that you were persistent at least. Um, but I'm sorry that you got that door the first time.
0: It was a shut door. And then it was like, Oh, well, she says I'm fine. So I must be fine. And then it was really hard to go get help because someone told me I was fine. We've had so many clients
1: who have come in and been like, everybody's told me I'm okay, so I guess I'm okay, but I don't feel okay. So you are the expert on you, right? Like if you tell us you don't feel right, then you don't feel right and everything's not okay. And, and if it's before the time when it meets, you know, criteria for a diagnosable mental health condition, that's okay, right? That's a, again, that's a great time to come. So it doesn't get there.
0: Yeah, because it could have prevented my PTSD by getting help then instead of having, PTSD now. Potentially, yeah, I, exactly.
1: Prevention is, I think, really underlooked in our system. And that's probably a whole nother podcast because yeah. it's a box for
0: me. But <laughs> yeah, I love the terminology of mental health being a spectrum and not being like a linear path. But it's like everybody has their own path that they take. And like some days can be really good and other days can be bad. It's not like I've noticed that in my mental health journey is that like some days I feel like, woo everything's going great. And then the next day it just all falls apart. Yeah. Yeah. And it can be the next minute, right? Like, and I, I think I always, I always
1: giggle when people say like, you know, they have mental health. We all have mental health, right. And we all have physical health and we all have emotional health. Right. And it's, it really, again, as you said, it's just that, where are you on that continuum? Where are you at that moment? You know, I, I think people, often in our culture, for whatever reason, we don't think about mental health until there's a problem. Um, We don't have mental health all the time. (laughs) And and how is our mental health? How how is our emotional wellness that we should be? And I think we are increasingly as a culture checking in more often.
0: Yeah, I think so too. So I think we mentioned suicide prevention. Yeah. as like one of the reasons that people come into the clinic, but what else is important? Like suicide prevention, of course, is really important, but like we were just talking about, like we want to get there before we're at the point that people are having suicidal ideations and um, that sort of thing. So, so I am, I am, I'm almost hearing like, what else should people look out for? And just to set some, like
1: some prevalence, right. So we know that, you know, we've, there's been a ton of survey, especially in our veteran and military space, um, o- almost, um, a fifth of, uh, veterans returning from the OEF, OIF conflict screen positive for a mental health concern, you know, 30% of, of veterans reported PTSD, combat stress or TBI, right? Like these are not uncommon issues. And we know that less than half of people who, um, do screen positive for a mental health concern, um, of our veterans or military service members, less than half are getting care. Right. So I think, you know, I I think often folks feel alone. There's, there can be a lot of, whether it's kind of from our culture or just different ideas folks have gotten about like who reaches out for behavioral health and what does that mean? And I think that's really where it's important to kind of break down that stigma of like, if you are stressed at work, right. If you are noticing that you're having trouble falling asleep because you can't turn your mind off, that, you know, whether that meets criteria for something or not, that's a great time to call. So the most common issues that people reach out for are when it starts spilling out into their lives, right? So if they can't sleep, uh, if they're fighting with people a lot, if they can't concentrate, right? And like, I think we're all listening to this and being like, that's the pandemic, right? We're all there. There are similar, you know, there are other areas, you know, certainly if folks are noticing, as we talked about that, any thoughts about harming yourself, not wanting to be here, You know, I have to say really firmly and clearly, I I can certainly speak for the Cohen Veterans Network. We are not in the business of wanting to put people in the hospital or take their rights away from them. I think that's a big, scary topic that people really worry. If I say this, you know, you're going to throw me in the hospital. No one's going to throw anybody in the hospital. If somebody is really acutely not able to keep themselves safe, of course, we're going to work with them to make a plan to keep them safe because safety is a prerequisite to wellness. (laughs) You have to be here to get well. But our clinics really put a focus on collaborating always. So we're going to make that plan together. We're going to work through that together. Usually what that means is just a safety plan, right? Usually it means, you know, we're going to talk about, Hey, how, what coping skills do you have? If thinking like that comes up, who can you lean on for support? You know, is there a professional network? Is there a social support network, right? How are we just going to make the environment safer? And then as we go through treatment, we need that plan less and less, right? But that's why it's a prereq. So certainly if we're at that place, other kind of key indicators that I think, you know, on that more kind of, um, kind of acute kind of crisis end are if folks are noticing that they are a loved one are drinking or drugging a lot more, having problems with other like impulsive or compulsive behaviors. So um, things like, you know, binge eating or not eating, restricting, you know, gambling, um, any impulsive or compulsive sexual behavior, right? So all those ways that people can kind of cope with tough emotions and they can kind of start to become problems of their own. We really want to kind of catch those as quickly as we can. And we actually know that the pandemic has fueled a lot of that kind of coping behavior because we were all locked in our houses by ourselves, right? It was not a great time. We couldn't get to the gym. We couldn't hang out with loved ones, right? We couldn't use a lot of those helpful coping strategies. And so a lot of other things have cropped up in its place. But again, that's that kind of, that's that end where it's like, sooner than later, right? If you notice those things are coming up, because the faster we catch it and the faster we can kick it. The other plug I would just say, again, kind of being in a pandemic context, is we know that a lot of relationships have been very stressed. And so if you feel like you, you know, yourself or a loved one have gotten into unhealthy relationship patterns. Um, if you feel like you or a loved one is being, you know. Certainly physically violent or coercive, but also just, you know, out of control um, or you feel like a loved one is asking you not to see people or go places. Those are just good times to check in because we can, again, we do a lot of couples work and we can really be helpful at that level too to make sure the whole family system is healthy.
0: Yeah, those are really important topics to talk about and things that I don't think people often think about. Yeah, And that's why we call it like behavioral
1: health, right? Because, you know, how we feel and what we're thinking impacts what we do physically, our behaviors, right? So if I'm feeling down and depressed and thinking I'm the worst, I'm going to be more likely to potentially drink or cut or what have you, right? They all flow together. And so that I think it, it can just be, it means that we can use any of them as an indicator. Like our guiding light is what I call it. Like, hey, if this is showing up, if you're beating yourself up all the time, or if you're you know not taking good care of yourself if you're using these strategies that are you know maybe causing your own problems all of those are good indicators of like might be a good time to touch base and I think people are really surprised at how quickly they can turn those patterns around right like we often when we're making a game plan with somebody we're planning for like hey let's look at what we can do in 12 weeks we can always reassess we can tailor up from there that's fine but you I think people are shocked at how quickly they can make change if they really put a press and put the work in.
0: Yeah. I remember when I first started going to celebrate recovery, I was really struggling with anger and I was like spinning out of control. And I was like, if I just never get angry again, then I'll be all better. And then I learned like anger is an emotion and like, you have to learn how to manage it. And I, I don't even know if I still believe like at the year point when they give you like chips to hit different occasions. And I went on stage and I just started crying because I couldn't believe how much my life had changed in one year. And I went from being like hopeless and feeling like I had no control over my emotions to having all these tools so that I could, you know, and it was just like night and day and it was only a year and I started feeling better way before the year point. But you know, that milestone was, a big milestone and it was just so much life change it is it's amazing
1: and I, I think I, I I feel like that's like sometimes people will ask me like why do you do you know how do you do that work or why do you do that work it's like really so I do a lot of trauma work right so we're talking quite literally I'm, I'm talking to people I have just met about the very worst things that have ever happened to them right like that's and and I love that work right I don't love that these things happened I wish they hadn't sometimes I'm quite angry that they did, but when you make that space and get in there and talk about it, you can't take away what happened. It still happened, but how it sits with you in your everyday life and how you carry it forward with you. I mean, I've seen people who have had PTSD for four years, not meet criteria for PTSD, PTSD anymore, like not have symptoms eight weeks later. It's, it's almost miraculous. (laughs) Yeah. And it is. And, and I think the fact that you know, we're using these evidence-based treatments. And again, I just go back to that to say, like, that's why I'm such a believer is we know it, like, it doesn't just work for a minute. It lasts, right? Like it gives people tools. It helps them figure out, Hey, this is what wasn't working. Now I have a different thing that I can do when this comes up. I have a different kind of way of being with these memories or with these thoughts or what have you. And you can take that forward forever. Right. I yeah, I'm and it sounds like you've had a similar experience of like that learning those tools and different strategies and it changes you period. Like for good.
0: Yeah, and now I've added meditation to my practice and it's amazing how like right before we did this interview, my kids were trying to get everything ready with the TV and it wasn't working and I was gonna be late. And normally I would be like (gasps) Yeah, like and I was like, you know, if I'm five minutes late, they'll understand and Instead of getting worked up and even my son started to get worked up, I was like, we don't need to freak out. We'll figure it out. And like, let's just stay calm. And and it's just before I would have been in like such a tizzy and like I still felt my emotions go up. But instead of like freaking out, we just restarted the TV and then it worked. (laughs) And I was like, it's not that big a deal. Instead of yelling, screaming, freaking out, we just calmly worked through it. And then I was two minutes late and it was fine. And It's that's so much better of a story than like everything fell apart. And then I came in here crying and like had to do the interview. Right.
1: right. You were still two minutes late and everything was a mess. And I, I, I think like, I love that you found meditation as well because we really encourage, we don't use that as a core of our practice, but we really, we know that, um, it's a really nice compliment with the types of treatments that we do because the, so at the core, we do a lot of what's called cognitive behavioral therapy, right? So that's a fancy schmancy for saying like, what you think and what you feel and what you end up doing are all interwoven, right? And so what we do is like, if we catch that thought of like, oh my God, it's going to be a mess and I'm, I'm not going to be able to get there on time. They're going to be mad, right? Like when that spiral starts, we don't even notice it. And then all of a sudden we're acting like that stuff is true. So step one is catching and figuring out like, okay. I feel my emotions, you know, I physically feel the sensations rising and I'm noticing that like, I'm starting to have this thought process going and catching it is key. If you don't catch it, you can't do anything differently. And that's where I think meditation is so helpful because it just, it helps people catch it faster and faster and faster. You're just aware of what's on your mind and how's your body feeling and it does it gives you like a totally different sense of control when you can know like you can trust yourself that when emotions happen because as you said they will right Like you can't never get angry again like when emotions happen you can trust yourself that you're going to respond effectively right like that's a game changer
0: It is. Yeah. Meditations come up in the last uh, month of episodes and it gets me so excited because it really, I've been practicing almost a year and it's just, it just has changed everything because like I'm able to catch myself and I had all those tools before, but a lot of times I wouldn't catch myself to after I was like halfway through, you know, instead of the ramp up and like and so it, it is because when you're meditating and you get distracted, the, the person guiding you always is like, OK, come back. And then you catch yourself and it's just a practice that you learn. And so it's it's really helpful.
1: Right. And then if you're practicing daily or I encourage people like try three minutes a day, try three minutes a day when you're leaving work, like wherever you can build it in. And that process of checking in with yourself regularly also kind of keeps that toolkit fresh, right? Like you, you are mindful of your process all the time. So then when you really need it, right. And I think that's, what's hard when people first start therapy is it's like, you know, you're starting therapy often because something's not feeling great. And then we need to build the tools and that takes some time. So people are like, well, I want to be able to breathe when I'm at a 10. And I'm like, at a 10 right now, you might need to just leave the room uh, just for a couple of weeks. But then it's, again, it's so quick where it's like, okay, I caught it. I was at a 10. I left the room. The next time I caught it, when I was on the way to a 10, I was at an eight and I left the room. And the next time I was at a six and I breathed and it worked, right? And the next time it didn't even get to a six, right? Like that... That progression, if you really work at it, can it can work in, in in weeks. But that's and again, that's why we and it sounds like you're like flying in sinker. You're ready for a Cohen clinic because it's like you gotta make it consistent. You've got to have that home practice. What are you working on in between? And that's where people just see the change. And, you know, we used to, when we were opening, we used to get a lot of questions about like, well, why is it, you know, you, you say it's time limited and, and what, you know, what is that about? And, you know, I, I always tell people this little anecdote. So um, I, I'm a mother just, you know, this part of the story. So um, I, I was doing trauma work when I was in grad school and I was pregnant And nobody I worked with in my five years at my graduate school got better faster than my clients when I was pregnant, because there is a visible clock in the room, right? It's like, we better get on this. We've only got like a month here, people. And that idea that, you know, if you have all the time in the world, it'll take all the time in the world. But if we say, hey, what can we get done in 12 weeks? What can we get done in eight weeks? You know, let's let's try really hard and see where we get to. It's amazing how quick it can go if you but you've got to focus and you've got to really push it. And I think that's all of our Clinicians, certainly my clinic and the clinicians I know across our network, we are, we are tough. We are loving, we adore our clients, but we are tough for a reason because we really want to see people make those changes and we know they can.
0: Yeah. That's, that's so powerful. And that, I don't think we touched on it that you guys are like, you have a window of time that you're in the program and then, and then you can come back if you like have a life event or something like that, but it's not like continual care every week. Forever.
1: Yes, so it's not forever care, and that's definitely by design. For it's twofold. For on the first hand, it's because we know that folks by and large don't need forever care. That doesn't mean that some folks don't. And certainly, you know, if somebody comes in, we're making that care plan with them lockstep the whole way through. So when somebody's coming in, we're assessing do they have insurance and you know what's the financial picture so that if when we're wrapping up, if they do need continued care, we want to make sure they have access and that we have really good resources for them. And so while we're doing that, you know, we're figuring out, you know, what's the piece of the work that we're going to do for some people, a lot of people, I'd say about half of the folks we see, it's the whole thing, right? For, for a lot of our folks, you know, they come in and it's, you know, it was that anger that was driving them in, or it is that sleep. That's the issue or they know there's that trauma that they really have to dig into. And, you know, by the time we're wrapping up that work, whether it's, you know, for us, it can, it can range, right? So we say time limited, there's not a session count. It just means that it's not forever, right? We have to set a goal and make sure we're working towards it. And then, you know, for what we see is that as folks are wrapping up, they've learned these skills where lots of things are feeling better. And so a majority of our clients actually want to just go ahead and wrap up. And as you said, they know they can come back. We offer what's called booster sessions, right? So like, hey, I need an accountability checkpoint a month out, or, hey, you know, I had this thing come up, right? Like the pandemic is a great example. A lot of our clients called back in for boosters and, you know, it just took a couple sessions of being like, hey, you got this, you have these skills. And that was so much easier for them than having to like go find a new therapist, you know, go through the whole rigmarole. Like they just needed like a, a little tune-up, right? We'll check up on what was going on. But, you know, for other folks where, you know, maybe um, if, if we're, say we're dealing with anger and there's trauma, right? And the first thing they're like, you know what, or or if they're, su- you know, if they're feeling suicidal and there's, you know, depression, right? Like, so when we're first coming in, we're going to do what needs doing first, right? So if that anger's popping off at work, or if you're feeling suicidal and, and we need to help stabilize that, we're going to do that together. We're going to start what, you know, we're going to do the piece we can. And if somebody says like, Hey, you know, I need longer to really work on this depression. It's been with me for a decade. And I think I'm just going to need a longer time then we help to get them to whatever that right next step is. So that allows our clients to really get a good, what we call like a dose of care, right? Like really get what's indicated at the time, but it also means it's, it's an equity issue, right? Like we don't want some people to be able to be here for four years. And then that means that other people can never come in because there's no room. Right. So it, it really does come down to kind of equity and wanting to make sure everybody has that same access to care. Our partners have been as surprised as our clients have been when we're like, yeah, give us three or four months. Let's see how we're doing. And and we don't get that question anymore.
0: Yeah, no, that's really cool because I think when I was looking for therapy, I thought it was like a lifetime commitment. Right. And even that aspect is kind of a barrier to care because I'm a military spouse. And so I knew that eventually I'd have to move and then I'd have to start old. Over again and I just felt like overwhelmed by having to do that and it was when I was meeting with people and learning about like what Cohen does and I was like this is amazing like <laughs> people need to know about this because the fact I had never heard anyone say that you could have healing from PTSD I just thought it was like a lifetime diagnosis and you just had to like be aware that like something could come up and, and just live with this, I guess, like a weight over your shoulders instead of being like, no, you can actually like use these tools and strategies and you can work through whatever's causing the trauma and find healing. And I was like, wait, what? (laughs) Because it's just, I just thought that I was just stuck with it for the rest of my life. And so... I know. I, I remember the first
1: time somebody said that to me when I was in graduate school and they had they had been in therapy for twenty years and they were like, I I just thought you just did therapy as like maintenance and you know, that's what it was and I would just always be this way. And I, I mean I, I didn't cry, but I wanted to cry. Um because it's it's as I said, it's always it is inspiring to me how quickly people can make change. Um, and I think actually I've seen it the most clearly with PTSD. And again, I, you know, I, I am, I'm talking to people about this all the time and, and I don't ever want to try to take away that, you know, we don't, we don't have that men in black, like eraser, you know, we don't erase the memory. You didn't not go through it and we can't make something that's not okay. Okay. Cause it's just not right. We can't, we can't, we're not going to bend reality, but that weight, I think is the perfect way to describe it, right? That you can carry this with you differently and it doesn't have to fill up your cup to the extent that you can't be present. And in those other ways that you want to in your life right now, like being able to be present and be that mom or be that partner, whatever those things are that you're doing. And that memory made you who you are, right? Along with really positive things, those really tough things we go through shape us. So we would not want to erase it, but we got to figure out another way to carry it forward
0: yeah I can tell when my stress level is really high there are certain things that I can't participate in like escape rooms and not that we're doing those during COVID but when we were moving I had the opportunity to do one and I was like so stressed and I knew that if I did it I would like have a panic attack so I just chose not to participate yeah but I could feel that in my body because of the stress level of moving across the country and so and we all and I think that's other thing is like we all learn things about ourselves and change
1: as we go. Right. So it's like, you know, I it's OK to also realize like, hey, I'm not going to do in this room while I'm moving. right? Like, that's cool. But, you know, if you're, you know, waking up with nightmares or, you know, just angry or kind of losing valuable time and emotional energy in your life every day, that's the territory we want to reclaim. Right. Like you should be able to sleep. You should be able to connect with your loved ones. You should be able to go out to eat and sit wherever you want. Right. Like, well, um, like that's the kind of thing that we want to reclaim because that's everyday life. Right. Like that's that's the the life. And especially for our, our, our veterans, or our military families, you know, folks work so hard, they sacrifice so much and they deserve to be just happy and present and probably not exactly carefree, right? But, you know, but at least relaxed and able to enjoy themselves much of the time. Um, And that's, what's really exciting. You know, I I had a a, um, client that I was working with recently. I'm not going to say anything just for confidentiality purposes, but, um, you know, they, uh, they had had, you know, had a deployment and when they first came in, that was what we thought we were working on. And then they were like, yeah, you know, something happened in childhood. You know, like I was like, okay, because the the equation wasn't meeting up, and and I, we couldn't quite figure it out. he was really feeling suicidal, and I was like, there's there's more to this picture. And you know, he finally shared what it was, and and what all had happened. And we, you know, we pivoted. We really focused our trauma work where where it had started, and the and the deployment had exacerbated it, no question. Um, but you know, that wasn't the, that wasn't exactly where things had started for him. And you know, his we do symptom measures and and his symptoms were coming down and all that kind of stuff. And that's great. But, you know, he came to session one day just smiling and he just said, like, I just feel like myself. I hung out with my family. I had a great time. You know, I went to work, I was joking around and I was just like, that's it. Like, that's when you know that it worked. Just You just got so much bandwidth back by being able to take this weight off and put it, in the past where it belongs, right? Not that you can't think about it, can't talk about it, but just that you don't have to. It's not on you all the time. And so yeah, that's it's inspiring. It's really, I mean, it's, it's an honor to be able to really walk beside somebody through that process and and get to see
0: that. And that I was going to end it, but I have to follow up. I think that a lot of trauma in deployments, at least from some of the stories that I've heard, are from like past trauma of like childhood abuse or different things. So is so that is a common theme that like maybe you have PTSD, but there could be something underlying from your past that actually is causing the deployment. I know that's in my case; something happened in my past, and the deployment just made it go out of control. Absolutely, and and unfortunately, we actually
1: know that our um, our veterans and service members are more likely than their civilian kind of same-age counterparts to have experienced a trauma in childhood. So there actually are veterans and service members just as a, as a community are at higher risk. And then going through some of those stressors on top of it can amplify and bring, you know, even if there weren't symptoms from the trauma before, it can really bring that out. Um, and so I would say, you know, all of my colleagues who do trauma work um, in the veteran military space, most of the time we're working on traumas that did not happen in service. But May have been exacerbated, and of course, you know those same great treatments work for all different kinds types of trauma. So it's not like you have to know. Well, should I go here? Or should I go there? If somebody's doing an evidence based trauma focused treatment no matter what it is, it, it's going to be effective for you. But um, yeah, it's a, it, it's definitely a known quantity. Um, and I think it's something that anybody who works with veterans and service members a lot is ready for. You're not going to be surprised. You don't have to, you know, I think a lot of people say like, well, it was really related to service. Like in our space, that, that doesn't matter. It, it happened to you as our veteran or our service member. So we're here to support you with whatever it is.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm really glad we touched on that because that's an important topic to cover and something that, that we didn't really think about. And then I'm so glad it came up. Yes. Is there anything that we didn't cover that you wanted to talk about that I missed or, or a final way to wrap it up? You know, I guess, and, and certainly, you know, um, one of the pieces
1: that we do is just try to make it really easy to get in. Right. So I think that's, you know, that's always my, my plug, I guess, is is the, all of what we talked about is the, the, The silver lining on this cloud is that recovery and healing are possible. And so your podcast is national, if not international. And so I think, you know, for folks looking for care, uh, there are a lot of great options for veterans and service members um, and military family members, the Cohen Veterans Network. Um, is there they have a national webpage that's you know probably the best place to go and so I think just that that idea you know just don't don't hesitate right there's no there's no need to put it on hold yeah I think that's my my final plug
0: yeah and I have the link to both the Cohen Veteran Network the national one and the University of Pennsylvania's Cohen Veteran Network in the show notes so that people can find it really easily perfect yep Go in org, but it's, yeah,
1: it's a long name.
0: Yeah, and I'll probably mention it in the introduction just to make it easy so that people have it from the beginning but thank you so much for your time for the work that you're doing for veterans it's so important and it just it's just so exciting to hear all the positive things that are happening for veterans and their families
1: yeah no thank you so much for having me and for helping to spread the good word i mean i think you know you you being you know willing and open to share you know pieces of your story is is i think so important and inspiring because that's you know that people you know people hear you and you know they've been there or they are there and I think yeah it's it's a lot of work ahead but it's just it's inspiring um and I really I love your work on the side also I've been listening to a lot of your podcasts and I just appreciate you know talking through the hard stuff but also celebrating all the good stuff yeah I I have the coolest job in the world (laughs) You do. you do for sure
0: you for listening to this week's episode of Women of the Military Podcast. Do you love all things Women of the Military Podcast? Become a subscriber so you never miss an episode and consider leaving a review. It really helps people find the podcast and helps the podcast to grow. Are you still listening? You could be a part of the mission of telling the stories of military women by joining me on Patreon at patreon.com slash women of the military or you can order my book Women of the Military on Amazon. Every dollar helps to continue the work I am doing. Are you a business owner? Do you want to get your product or service in front of the Women of the Military podcast audience? Get in touch with the Women of the Military podcast team to learn more. All the links on how you can support Women of the Military podcast are located in the show notes. Thanks again for listening and for your support.